Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. Hey everybody, this is Kyle V, host of the Ozark Podcast. If you like the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast, we have a show for you. We sit down with local outdoorsmen of Arkansas, Missouri, and Oklahoma to talk all things hunting, fishing, conservation, history, and culture in the Ozark Mountains region. Just like the outdoorsmen who live here, we follow the seasons and interview regional experts to discuss the pursuits of hunting turkeys, bears, and whitetail, as well as the science behind their conservation. Join me and my co-host Kyle Plunkett every Wednesday and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Presented by Hunting Exchange, a marketplace for serious hunters by serious hunters. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story, and happy Friday to everybody. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving uh, yesterday, but before we hop into this episode, just want to say thank you to everybody who's been buying some of the merchandise and subscribing to the podcast and sharing the podcast with your buddies. Absolutely greatly appreciate that. Uh, but this week, we've got a listener coming on, Mr. Dalton Fanning, coming in from East Tennessee, who just killed an absolute slammer on some public land up in Ohio. Dalton, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well, man. Hey, not doing as well as you, my man. Listen, dude, I, <laughs> you, you killed a real big deer, dude, so that was awesome. 
Uh, yeah, I've been on uh, I've been on cloud nine for quite a while. That's probably everybody in my family and friend group. They're probably tired of hearing about this book by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the great thing is a lot of our listeners haven't heard about it, which we'll talk about a little bit later on the episode. But uh, again, you know, Dalton, you had some success killing a really nice deer up in uh, on some public land in Ohio, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But uh, to kind of dive in on this kind of breakdown and, and, and kind of background of you, you know, how long have you been listening to the podcast, and how did you find out about the show? Uh, well, you know, I started the job probably, you know, about a year ago and, uh, the job I have to do now is really repetitive stuff. I'll work on a pretty much almost like an assembly line and, you know, I stand in one spot for hours. I have nobody to talk to. I'm, you know, just bored out of my mind and I kept wondering what, I, and I do this, I work 12 hour shifts doing it and I kept wondering, I've seen people with, you know, I would listen to music, but you know, you can only listen to so many songs before it starts getting tired or like tiring and boring. And uh, I asked somebody what they did, you know, make the time go a little faster. And they said, well, I'll, you know, I listen to podcasts. And I was like, well, I've never even listened to a podcast in my life. And uh, they're like, well, you know, look into it. And uh, so I did. And I listened to a couple that they told me to listen to. And it wasn't nothing about deer hunting because, you know, I didn't even ex- expect deer hunting to even be on anything about a podcast. And one day I was just fidgeting around on the app or whatever. I'm on Apple, uh, Apple podcast. And, uh, I looked out, I just typed in the word hunting or deer hunting or something like that. And you all's show popped up and I was like, well, let's try this out. I said, you know, it could be something cool. And I don't think there's a day that goes by that I'm not either, you know, re-listening the episodes or going and trying to find new ones. I'll even go into the turkey hunting, you know, if I'm, you know, wanting to learn a little bit more about that. Cause I do turkey hunt quite a bit, but, uh, yeah, that's probably about the, the way I figured it out. Uh, and I've listened to it for quite a few months now, probably seven or eight months now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I've never thought about that. It's like, you know, guys and, you know, there's people like yourself that are kind of in that kind of line of work. That's like you've got all this time of you just doing, you know, a certain motion at the on the job site that a podcast is perfect for that. I, I never really thought about that, but that makes excellent sense, especially when you're, you know, you're kind of doing that, you know, career-wise. And it's like, man, you've just got time to kill and no one really to talk to. So a podcast is perfect mm-hmm. for that. Yep, yep. It, it works out great because, man, I'm – the days go by real slow when you have nobody to talk to and all you hear is machinery around you and, and you just got to stand there and pretty much talk to yourself in your own thoughts because you've got no one else to. <laughs> so it, it helps a lot having something to, you know, listen to as the day goes and it, it definitely helps. Absolutely. Well, to kind of dive into this a little bit more, um, it seems like you have a, quite a bit of time to listen to uh, quite a few episodes, I'm sure, while you're you know on the job site and everything. Um, you know, What have been some of those episodes that's been impactful for you, especially maybe some episodes that were impactful for you uh, with this buck that you killed up in Ohio? Uh, well, to start off with, uh, the, one, the one episode that I really think helped me out the most, and uh, I was actually really you know, not really scared, but I wasn't very confident in calling before I went up to Ohio. Cause I mean, where I, I live in East Tennessee and you know, people talk around here, you call it a deer around here, they're going to take off and blow out and run cause they're scared to death or whatever that was. And, uh, well, uh, Richard fought on the episode 290. It's not too long ago. Um, uh, you know, I heard about his, like, you know, soft calling techniques where you're not really doing how they do on TV or show it on TV, how you just kind of let out soft grunts and I, I feel like that right there was a really big part of it and another episode that i didn't realize was going to help me out when i listened to it uh but ended up you know being a key part of the hunt was uh episode 196 the in season scouting with glenn attic or at oh yeah adcock oh yeah and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah so and like i said I'll, I'll get into that you know as we go through the hunt but uh 
yeah, that that episode actually came into play. You know, a lot. I listened to it a lot. You know, longer ago, and it actually came into play while I was up there. I didn't. I didn't even realize it. So. Yeah, we'll get into that too. Well, Dalton, let me ask you this, uh, especially when it comes to episode 290 with uh, Richard Fox, you know, calling deer the right way. From what you had known previously about calling that maybe you just weren't having success with, what was different about what you had maybe previously heard of or had done previously compared to what Richard was doing? Uh, Mainly the technique of doing it. You know, you see on TV or you grow up and you hear your – you know, your friends and your uncles blowing on a grunt call in a tree stand. It's just, you know, a loud, just, you know, a loud growl pretty much. That's what you see on TV. That's what brings in the big ones is a loud growl or a, a really loud, aggressive snort wheeze, stuff like that. And uh, honestly, the rattle and antlers kind of, I haven't, I've, I'm still real iffy on those. Uh, I'm, I think you might, I think I may have heard you say yours the same way. Just, you know, getting in quiet and then making a lot of racket. So I'm still not really good with that. But uh, I've started grunting a lot more. Uh, it's just it's just the fact of it, where I live, you know, it's it's rare to see a mature buck and you start blowing on a grunt call and you think you're just scaring everything out of the woods. So, yeah, I think that I think the technique part was probably the most of, you know, what made me think about it the most. Yeah, well, and not to maybe jump too far ahead, you know, when we're not necessarily dump, uh, jumping into the hunt quite yet, but with uh, Glenn Adcock's episode, which is episode 196, um, and he's all about in-season scouting. He's a really good woodsman as well, coming from, uh, I believe, South Carolina, if I remember correctly, <laughs> and uh, he travels, hunts a couple different states, and, you know, he talks a lot about the episode about how to kind of focus on that sign as you're going in and really understanding how to read some of that, but you know, what were some of the things that you kind of took away from his episode that, again, have just been impactful for you, especially about this Ohio hunt? Okay, well, uh, see, this is actually my third year going to hunt. My first year being successful it was my first public land deer ever. Uh, so I've made a few trips up there. You know, I've had – we all had spots kind of more or less picked out. I know you can't really, you know, reserve places, but we had spots that we liked. You know, you get up there, and that's not the case. And every other year has been nobody there. I guess everybody got their, you know, work, you know, scheduled out to where they could hunt this year because there was people and cars all over the place. And every spot that we had to hunt, well, there was probably two or three trucks there as well. So, you know, we didn't have much of a choice but to restart up there pretty much and start scouting in on where we go and, you know, just hunting the sign as we find it. Mm, that's interesting. So yeah, it's almost like y'all had to pull an audible so, just because of the situation. Given yeah, it was, it was so the people. pressure. Yeah, it was the pressure that really turned us into like you know, in in season scouting because you know we only got it ain't like we can go back next week or in a few days and try it again. It's you know we got seven days to get it done. We got we got to work our best in you know seven days. So. With that, let me ask you this. What has been – you said this is the third year you've gone up there and the first time you've been successful up there. What have y'all been doing previously that just wasn't working for you guys? Or work, let's say not, maybe not for all of you, but what wasn't working for you previously? Well, uh, you know, growing up here in East Tennessee, you know, we didn't – I didn't really bow hunt much as a, you know, young and until maybe around my teens. You know, I, I killed my first deer when I was seven. And it, just like probably most – people growing up in the south with uh you know a big hunting family rifle season comes around they put you in a climber or a lock-on or like a ladder stand and you 
sit in the most open place in the woods. And, you know, that was key. It's like, if you can see the farthest, you know, that's, you're doing the best. And, uh, I, I think I accidentally, probably the first year going up there, I, I mean, I seen deer, but I, I, I wanted to get a 130 or better. That was my goal. Uh, that was just, for some reason I had it in my mind that a 130 is what I wanted to kill. And, uh, I was seeing these, you know, two and a half year old deer, little eights, you know, 90 inch bucks, hundred inch bucks. And they were all out in the open. I was seeing deer, but it's like, I wasn't getting in, you know, I wasn't keying in on big ones. So I had, I, I feel like that may have played a big part on it. You know, and as I started listening to more of this stuff this year, I started, you know, you know, hunt where the deer are. I started getting into that mindset. But, uh, you know, my buddy actually did shoot one uh, last year up there on the first day. We didn't even check into our lodge up there where we stay yet. Uh, he ended up shooting one in the first four hours of us getting there. He shot about 60 yards off the road. Man. Oh, hey. So so he, got, he had some luck last year, but that was just probably the thing is, you know, y'all were kind of scouting. Seems like you were kind of scouting, you know, and not necessarily wanting to hunt where the deer were. And that's just something that you kind of had played into a factor for this season. And I think yeah. that's, that's for a lot of guys. I think a lot of people, especially starting out, because I'm guilty of this too, and especially was early on, especially hunting public land, is, you know, when, when you came from hunting private land, and like, you know, I wrote, I was raised the same way when it came to, you know, gun hunting. Like, we started gun hunting. I didn't get into bow hunting until high school. And, uh, you know, gun hunting, you know, you were hunting areas that you had some kind of, uh, you know, observation spot where you could see a decent ways where there's a big food plot you know open clear cut or you know power line or just something open open woods whatever and yep. and even bow hunting you know sitting kind of in and around some of those things and, and just wasn't having a lot of success so yeah that was one thing when i struggled with you know hunting public land for the first time too is like man this place looks so good and you, you go back yep. to like what you've seen on public or private land you're like oh man this looks so good you sit there and you're like why am i not seeing any deer and I'm like, yep. it's, it's just a little bit different story on, on this aspect than much maybe what you were dealing with on that on that private land. Yeah, that that's 100 percent correct. That you pretty much hit it on the head there. So you know, with this, so y'all been going for the last couple of years, and this year you're able to have some success. What? Let me ask. So you started listening to the podcast, you know, six, seven, eight months ago. When it came to previously, again, you're not listening to any kind of podcast. Was there a different change of your mindset or maybe like this, uh, how excited you were for this coming deer season compared to like what you'd done previously? Uh, actually, yeah. And you can ask uh, my girlfriend. I talked to her right before I went out. I said, I feel more confident shooting a buck this year up there than I ever have in my life. I said, I think this is going to be the year. And uh, I mean, just going from, you know, doing what I usually did. And I, I started watching a little bit of the hunting public there in the last little bit, you know, and I, I started learning a little bit from them, but they're still hunting. It doesn't seem like they were hunting really where I was because where I hunt, it's, uh, I ain't going to name off, you know, specifics, but, uh, Southern Ohio isn't like what people think Ohio is. You know, you th I, whenever I first went up there, I was thinking cornfields and soybean fields. I was excited because I, you know, we, I've never even seen a cornfield over an acre big here. And, uh, you know, I got up there and it's steeper than some of the places I hunt here. It's, I mean, it's rugged. And, uh, yeah, I just, I was really excited cause you know, I, I've been listening to this and I was like, I think I've keyed in on a lot of new stuff that I think is going to really, really help me with this season. So, yeah, I think, you know, my mindset from being, you know, not as confident to really confident this year played a big part in it. Awesome. Let me ask this. When it came to like listening to the show, especially kind of just absorbing everything you've been trying to pay attention to over the last, you know, you know, half year or so, 
you know, has like the a but have you got a better understanding now of like wind and thermals compared to maybe what you had done previously? Yes, uh, that that actually that actually played may have played a part in this hunt as well. Uh, you know, thermals are still, you know, I'm still learning quite a bit on those. I know, you know, the gist dropping the evenings. They're still down in the mornings until you know the sun comes up. I, I'm still getting it. Uh, I started carrying milkweed with me, and I, I drop it, you know, quite often to figure out stuff or you know figure out what it's doing at the time. But uh, yeah, the thermals, it's still I'm still learning a little bit there. It's still you know a learning game. Uh, the wind, it that's another thing. Uh, in on that episode one ninety six, Glenn talks about you know on out of state hunts you can't really go off the wind as you know as good as you'd like it can't always be perfect because you know you only got one week to get it done you might not get to hunt more than one day if you're gonna be counting on the wind to be perfect every time so uh but no i i do try to set up even like as i'm setting up i do try to look at the wind and try to put it into my favor the best i can you know if i can't you know, sometimes I just got to hang it and hope for the best. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, kind of dive into the hunt. So this year, let me, well, let me ask this before talking kind of the, before you get to the hunt, were y'all doing any kind of postseason scouting, preseason scouting, running trail cameras, anything like that up there? Yes. Uh, I actually went up, uh, it's about four and a half, five hours for me. Uh, I actually went up one time in, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was in August. I went up there and, you know, I went to all my spots, you know, a few of my spots that I've hunted prior to the, like the first year, this or, uh, this is my third year. Uh, I went up there, you know, I hung some cameras. I, hung, I think I hung four or five cameras. And then, uh, in about mid October, my buddy also wanted, he said, I want to go up there before we go. Our hunt was November 6th and, uh, or that was the day we was going to get there. And my buddy said, hey, man, I'm thinking about taking a trip for the day up to Ohio. You go hang some cameras. You know, I'm going to hang a couple at some of the spots I found. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. And uh, so, yeah, we've we done a little bit of pre-scouting. Uh, w- the first year we ever went, uh, we postseason scouted. But, that, again, that was the 2019, I believe. And, you know, we were still real green. And I'm still real green at it. I'm still learning as much as I possibly can every year. It's every year or every day in the woods up there is a new uh, – New lesson to be learned. Uh, new lesson to be learned, but uh, yeah, mainly preseason scouting, which none of that preseason scouting did anything for us this year, <laughs> sadly. Uh, well, I understand. Well, so y'all been going up there. You have an idea. You've been doing some preseason scouting, some postseason scouting up there. So let's get into this hunt. So you said you might have gone up there. I think you went up there sometime in August, but then you know you decided to go back in. Uh, what was the what was the actually dates of the hunts when you were actually up there? The date of the hunt, I was hunting, uh, we, me and uh, four other people, we took off our work uh, November 6th through the 13th. Okay. So, you know, right about right at about a week, we had about seven days of hunting to really get it done. All right, perfect. So, you kind of had all that planned and ready to go. So, kind of, again, mindset going up, you were having a lot of confidence, you know, felt extremely confident going into the season and going into this hunt. Uh, so kind of give us a little rundown. I mean, you kind of get up there. What What's the kind of the time frame between when you got up there to figuring out where you needed to be after all this hunting pressure, you know, kind of came in to actually, you know, you actually having success in killing that buck? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it, it was really, it surprised us when we got up there. I mean, the last two years we went, uh, it's been, I think, uh, the second week, like, you know, about the day we left, 
uh, is when we were getting there last year. And then the year before that, we were there the third week in November. And I don't know if it's just the times we were there, but we didn't see a single car or a single truck in any spot for the whole week that we were there. So we hadn't been used to any pressure at all. We didn't even know anybody even hunted there. And uh, so we got up there and all of a sudden we pull up and there's, you know, around these campsites that are up there, there's deer hanging everywhere. And we're like, oh, what, what is going on here? And we start driving around. We're like, okay, let's go, let's go check our control cameras. So we go and do that. I can't check three of my cameras because there's two or three trucks parked right there at, uh, out there at the pool end of where they're going. So I was like, you got to be kidding me. So that was kind of a downer. My, as, my, as, as I get there and as I'm walking around or driving around, my confidence is slowly dropping <laughs> at the same time as it was rising all the way up there. And uh, I finally get to check two of them, and it's still dropping. I'm not getting no deer on camera. I mean, nothing over 90 inches, it seems. And I was like, this is not good. And to make it even worse, we pull out or I'm pulling back. I'm going to go back to camp or whatever and talk to my buddies and see if he got anything on his camera. If, you know, if they're seeing any sign or anything. And well, I run into him coming out of the spot and I was like, man, he got anything on camera. He's like, oh, yeah, dude, I got a good one. Uh, my buddy, Matt. And uh, he <laughs> he says, yeah, he said, but there's one thing that's worrying me. He said, I seen some leaves kicked up coming down the trail. And he said, I found a drop of blood on a leaf. And I was like, oh, that's mm. maybe somebody, maybe somebody shot one or something. And uh, he had a big nine point on camera. He was coming into a mock scrape setup that we set up. Uh, it was actually one of those vine scrapes we tried. We ended up doing that and it worked out pretty good, but uh, not for us at least. And uh, so we go back to the camp or whatever. We, we were driving around talking to some of the guys up there uh, that had killed deer. And we walk up and we're sitting there looking at this deer hanging up. And we're like, man, that looks, that looks real familiar. And we asked him, you know, kind of the area you killed it. And he said, oh, right over here off this one road. And it was the buck that we was going to go in and hunt that next day. He was he was hitting that mock scrape every evening at 5 o'clock. And that guy said he walked in there and seen our mock scrape set up and set up right on it and killed him. Oh, so, man. So <laughs> confidence levels were really at the all-time <laughs> low when they should have been at the all-time high at this point. Um, but, I mean, after that, it was kind of like, okay – we, we have a couple more places. Let's let's try our best. And it, it seemed like for the first two days, I didn't see a deer for five days. It was five days into the hunt until I shot mine. And it, everywhere we went, it just seemed like we were running into more and more people. Like every every time somebody, we'd come back at night to, you know, you know recap on the day. Oh, I got walked in on. Oh, I was walking in and seen a lighter. Oh, I pulled in and somebody pulled in right behind me. So it never ended. Something like that right there would happen every time. So, I, you know, uh, I still had a couple more places. I was just hunting random spots at this point. I was pulling off the side of the road and walking in with my lone wolf and hanging and hunting right there. And I still wasn't having the luck that I should have had or that I was thinking I was going to have. Uh, <laughs> so let me say this this is crazy this is crazy because i i could i've had hunts like this too where it's like you're hunting in places it's, just, it's getting pounded because you know guys taking off work you know your prime time of the rut and you know everybody's trying to be out there and you got everybody from all different kind of backgrounds you know you got people that are you know they've been hunting for 40 years hunting out there and then you got other guys that are you know brands you know brands making new you know when it comes to hunting and a little bit of everything in between and it's kind of you're talking about that guy killing that buck right over you know your buddy's mock scrape <laughs> um that reminded me uh, bobby worthington when we had him on um 
I think it might have been that first episode. He talked about uh, making a mock scrape and having a guy. Actually, no, it was the second episode we had him on. Um, and he made a mock scrape, and he was going to go in there and hunt right there, you know, in that area over that scrape. And there was other, you know, some younger guy that was down there hunting, and he actually shot a 170-something inch buck oh, on the mock scrape. I just, listened, I just listened to that one. Yeah, yep. I remember that. Yeah, ended and, up shooting a monster over it. Yeah, and he's like, he killed it. And Bobby's like, he killed an absolute giant. And he's like, he's like, you know, I felt, and he's like, you know, kind of, it was, it was, it was a, a low part, but it also he was happy for him because it was a younger guy that shot it. But, uh, um, you know, it's just, it's when you said that, that was the first thing that came to mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's how two people I know that's had that happen to him. <laughs> yep. He, he, he's seen our camera and everything. He said he walked up and seen our camera, seen our vine hanging there, and he said, oh, I'm not going to sit right on it. And he moved down the hill about 50 yards, <laughs> shot him the first night. Gosh, that's crazy. Well, so, you know, the pressure was extremely high from what it sounds like. You know, it's not really any deer sightings. Was your other buddy seeing any deer um, in those five days? <laughs> you know, uh, my brother and, uh, you know, I had a, our few buddies that were there and my brother, uh, they were seeing them, but it's like they were seeing them when it was too late, walking in and spooking them. Mm. And it just, it kept getting worse and worse. And my, but my brother actually, he, you know, I tried to do a bump and dump. Uh, he spooked, uh, I think he said it was like a 138 off of a side of a clear cut. And it was, it was a perfect, perfect spot. And I, I hung that night and I was like, well, I said, I'll be in here in the morning. Got up there and there's some guy in the middle of the night on the, on the, like on the state forest, where you're not, I don't, I don't know if you know the rules in Ohio. You can't use anything that, like, screw in steps or anything like that. You can't damage the bark to a tree. I don't know how it is where you all are, but uh, I'm up there. I walk up there and there's a guy up there cutting trees down with a handsaw, <laughs> like in the middle, like at five o'clock in the morning. He's up there cutting trees down, and uh, yeah, but he he was cutting hands. Like he had a handsaw cutting like trees about the size of baseballs down around his tree, right, right next to where I had my lone wolf set up so i pretty much had to burn that first morning i had to wait until he come out so i could go in and grab my stand and it was just an all off on and off you know running into pressure even though we were seeing deer and you know they would see a couple small deer and everything like that but you know it just wasn't like it wasn't what everybody was going up there had in their heads going what was going to happen got you so you know the pressure kept, kept you know getting high and it seemed like it wasn't going anywhere so what was the turning point for you guys, especially for you on the on this hunt? Well, you know, as the confidence levels are down, you know, we, we actually ended up – I know uh, I've heard you all talk about it so much on these podcasts, almost every one of them. Somebody says something about hunting a saddle or, not, you know, not like when you wear like an actual like terrain feature saddle. And that is something I – you know, I may have been hunting one and never knew it. That was one of those things. I didn't even I didn't I didn't really even know what to look up on a topo map or whatever. And uh we were actually run into these guys at the bar that night at the uh one night there and we asked them, you know, they and they were showing us deer that they were consistently killing big ones every year off this piece of public. And we're like, Man, what's you you know, <laughs> we'd hate to, you know, we don't want spots, but we're struggling here. It's been, you know, five days and you know, we have nothing to show for it. And uh sorry, and uh we start talking to them and they say saddles hunt the saddles they said this time of year they're going to be cruising the saddles so it, so we ended up scouting i guess you know the whole every time we was out of the woods and we wasn't in the stand we was scouting somewhere putting miles on them and uh my buddy matt he actually ended up scouting a spot uh one afternoon he, he got in there you know like 11 o'clock and it was actually uh that piece that picture i sent you of the you know overview of that land there 
uh, he went in there and it's, you know, it's almost straight up. I mean, it's, I put my bow on my pack to get up that hill. It's pretty, it's pretty steep. And, uh, he walked in and every bottom that you walk in out there, you're going to find sign. There's going to be scrapes. There's going to be rubs on trees, the size of your thigh, but you just, you, you hunt over it and you don't have anything to show for it. Uh, it seems most like, I mean, you can kill them in the bottoms, but it just seems like your chances are a lot lower than somewhere else. And, uh, the reason I killed that deer is because my buddy actually went in as we were scouting one day and he went into that spot and he said at about 12 o'clock in the day, he made it about, you know, three quarters of the way up that ridge, the top third. And he said he was walking and he stopped. He was sweating, breathing hard. Cause I mean, it, oh, and that's another thing to keep bringing our confidence levels down the whole week before cold, the cold snap hit. It was 20 something degrees every morning no rain as soon as we get there the rent the weather starts heating up it starts getting 60 during the day 70 during the day 40 at night and it was just it was killing us you know uh and everybody we talked to kept telling us that oh you all hit it kind of bad y'all hit it about a week late <laughs> it just kept killing us and uh so he's walking in it's it's hot out and around 12 o'clock in the day he stops on the side of this ridge and he's standing there and he's looking on Onyx on his phone. He's sitting there just scrolling and he hears a deer just blow at him. He's like, oh, he's like, there's one blow at him. He, he said it was close. And he said he looks around the tree standing and he said it's 60 yards. He said there's like a 150 inch buck standing there rubbing a tree and they don't even know he's there. And he said every 30 seconds or so that deer would go. And while he's rubbing that tree like he's. Like he's just like blowing at it, like he's mad or something. He said he was tearing that tree all to pieces. And uh, he said he watched that buck walk up the ridge and then go right through this saddle. And he said, okay, there's got to be something about these saddles that we don't know. We've never hunted them. There's got to be something about them. So he walks up there, and as soon as you get to the top of the saddle, there's scrapes all in them. There's, you know, fresh scrapes like he had just made them. He probably did as he walked up through there. And, uh, you know, like I said, though, it, it's like, I think from the truck is about maybe 830 yards as a crow flies. So, I mean, it's not an easy walk. It's not a short walk. It takes about an hour to get in there. And that's walking at a good pace. So that right there is really where it started turning for the best. Because as he came out that day, he said, uh, like the next day, I, you know, I went in there and hunted another spot that morning. I didn't see nothing. He said, man, he said, you need to go hunt that spot I went to. He said, it's rough. He said, I don't, he said, I don't think I'm going to hunt it just cause you know, it's a, it's a long walk. It's really far. And, uh, I was like, well, I said, I mean, there ain't nothing that can hurt it. I said, they didn't run into no people. He didn't see no sign of anybody being in there. So I was like, well, that might be just my best option. And I got in there. I think it was like a 10 30 that day. I got out. I just went in and got my stand come out and I said, I'm just going to walk up there middle of the day and hunt to the night and i'll come back in the morning and uh i had a climber on my back i had a summit goliath i figured if i was gonna be hunting all day i'd probably be using that for the comfort you know comfort part but uh as i went in there that first evening i got in there at about 11 30 and i was like well you know it's still good i can you know something might walk by the midday movement and i sit <laughs> and i sit down and as i'm pulling my bow up with the string i look up i hear something crunch and i look up and i'm thinking there's a big buck coming my way here comes a hunter walking down the ridge and he walks 10 yards in front of me 
and again, confidence level falls again. And I'm like, man, and I talked to him and I was like, man, I did not know you was in here. And I said, I had no idea. I said, I didn't see your truck. He's like, oh, I was dropped off early this morning. I was like, dang it. I was like, I can't get away from anybody. And uh, so I talked to him for a minute. I asked him, I asked him if he was going to be coming back in there. And he said, no, he said, I, I'm coming out. So I was like, oh, okay, good. I watched him walk and I didn't see another deer for the rest of that evening. Cruiser Saddles is the newest addition to companies supporting this podcast. Cruiser is the maker of saddles and saddle hunting gear. Uh, me and Jacob actually met Chad, the owner, at our Bozenbrews event in March of 2020. We were demoing a lot of different saddles there from a lot of different companies, and he showed up with his products, which were brand new at the time, and everybody there was extremely impressed with him, including me and Jacob. We ended up getting some of the saddles for this past hunting season, used them all year from, basically, we started hunting in August and hunted until February. No complaints, really liked them, the durability was there, the comfort was there, the wearability was there, you know, walking in and out to the stand, so we are very impressed. You can go back to some of the episodes from last year and actually hear us you know live through the season talking about these things we talked about them a lot in the podcast from last year's season just really impressed and we think you would like them too so go to their website and check them out we ran the xc orders ship the same day or next day unless otherwise indicated and you get free shipping on orders over 300 dollars we really appreciate cruiser for supporting this show you guys go show them some support as well this podcast is supported by marks outdoors if you're from around Birmingham, you know of a, a staple in the hunting community here, and that would be Mark's Outdoors. They've been in business in the same location for over 40 years, family owned and operated, and they have a reputation for being one of the best bow shops in the southeast. As we inch closer and closer to deer season, if you haven't already, it's time to dust off that bow and make sure that she's ready to roll for this hunting season. Go stop by Mark's Outdoors and check out their archery counter with Mark and Robbie, two guys I've known for years, excellent bow techs. They've worked on my bow since I started bow hunting. They got all the knowledge and accessories that you need to get ready to rock for this bow season. While you're in there, also make sure you check out their gun counter. They got a ton of nice rifles for everything from AR platforms to nice deer rifles and a bunch of nice shotguns as well. They also have one of the best knife selections in Alabama. I mean, really nice stuff. All kinds of custom knives in there and their ammo selection is just unbeatable as well. We're thrilled to have Marks Outdoors on board and we thank them for supporting the podcast. Now we're going to ask you guys to go support them. Hunting Gear Deals is dedicated to helping the hunting community find the best deals on hunting gear from across the web. Each day they scour the web for deals, sales, and coupon codes on hunting gear to help you save time and money on your next purchase. Head on over to huntinggeardeals.com and join their daily deal email list. Each day you'll receive deals that are emailed to you uh, from across the country on the best sales and promos that are going on for that day for the, your favorite hunting equipment. If you're a gear fanatic like us, then be sure to check out their extensive collection of unbiased and honest gear reviews submitted by hunters from across the country just like yourself. Black Friday and Cyber Monday is coming up, so when you're out shopping for yourself or for Christmas gifts, make sure that you check out Hunting Gear Deals for some great finds. Hunting Gear Deals is your number one resource during Black Friday and Cyber Monday for hunting-related deals across the web. During these special sales events, Hunting Gear Deals compiles a huge list of all the best hunting-related deals in one place, saving you time and money. Make sure to go click the link in the show notes to go visit huntinggeardeals.com and see all the great deals they have right now. 
Houndstooth Game Call's Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call by Field and Stream Outdoors, and trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spurmaster and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spurmaster call and Success Call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distance with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com. Use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. By the way, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the map that you sent me of the spot. Was he coming off that main ridge? Well, I actually seen two bucks that morning. I shot him. Uh, that main ridge that you're that you're looking at there. You, you see the saddle I'm set up in that. It's I've never actually looked at a saddle in depth before, mm-hmm. like I did that one. As I was, it is actually so. It looks a little bit more. You know, I thought it would be more looking like a saddle than it was. I was actually standing in it, looking on Onyx the first time I walked up there, and I'm standing in the middle of the saddle and I'm looking around. And I'm like, "Are you? Is this really what this is?" Because I. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. I'd I'd heard about it and stuff, but I never firsthand stood in one or seen what it looked like. I kind of had an idea, but it didn't look like what I thought. I thought it was going to be, you know, two high points Mm -hmm. that dropped real low and they'd be moving through it. But this was a really, really subtle, subtle saddle. I mean, it was not, you know, precise at all. I mean, it was just like kind of rolled kind of a little, like, you know, down sloped a little bit and then kind of started going back up. It was nothing. It wasn't really anything like I thought it would be when I got up there, but I figured that one guy was hunting back there. I figured he'd already sent it everything up that way. I was like, this might be my best option, yeah, and no, I just I'm, set up on it. Yeah, I'm looking at it. So what it is, to kind of give listeners an idea, you're set up on a secondary ridge point. you got a main ridge, and then you have a secondary ridge point that juts directly off of it, and you're hunting a saddle yes. on the secondary ridge point. It's a big secondary ridge, too. It's like a big secondary point. It's not like real small. It looks quite large um so you know that's something that's really interesting because this secondary ridge point that's coming off the main ridge um that saddle is splitting two thermal hubs it looks like so it's Mm -hmm. like you have a thermal hub to the left of the saddle and thermal hub to the right of the saddle which you know if a buck's gonna be in going through any one of those two thermal hubs he's probably going right through that saddle dude which looks Mm -hmm. awesome (laughs) yeah and as i'm saying as i stood up there you know uh that stand is really exactly where my stand was sitting i i had a climber so i couldn't really get in the best trees i found a white oak that was and it's kind of sucks sitting up like this i knew it was going to be a sketchy situation i was going to have to be ready i i went off the side of the bank about you know 10 yards and even though you're 25 foot in a tree 
you're still really almost eye level with the ridge that you're looking at in front of you. So it was a really, really sketchy situation to be in. And I knew I was going to be into it. You know, I knew I was getting into it when I did it. But yes, you're, yeah, you're, you're 100% right on that. Uh, and we figured uh, the wind was blowing north. So I had a north wind. It was coming straight into my face from that saddle. And I figured if I set up off the, you know, where my pin is off the left side of that saddle, you know, I was, like I said, I'm still new to wind movement and, or wind direction and thermals and all that. And, uh, I figured, you know, if the wind stays blowing North, if the thermals are rising in the morning and it's winds blowing North, you know, they're more than likely going to be walking this side of the saddle, you know, instead of skyline and on top, they're going to be checking that scrape that was right up the, uh, right up there at the top. And I figured that was probably going to be my best, my best bet. Yeah, so let's talk about the the next day. So, uh, well, actually, let me ask you this: When you were hunting that saddle, were you coming in from the top of the ridges, or are you coming down, or coming up from the bottoms? Yeah, I, you know, for, that was my first day in there. I'd, it's extremely thick. There is no. I looked, my buddy. There's no easy way getting in there. It's straight up the entire way. So I pretty much side hilled it the entire way up. I was hoping to hit a old logging trail or something to make it a little bit easier on me, but it never did. So the first morning or that first evening I hunted it, I pretty much side-heeled it the entire way until I got to that point. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All right. So the, so the next morning, so you hunt that evening, you know, run into that guy kind of midday, whatever, and, you know, really don't see anything. So you decide to go back kind of what was the game plan, you know, that, that following day, which would that be day six or day seven by that point? I, I believe this was either, uh, I believe it was day it may have been morning six or day five. I know I know it was a long time before I'd seen a deer. I know that. And uh, so, yeah, it was getting pretty, you know, in the next two days, we was leaving back to come home to Tennessee. So it was getting a little, you know, a little nerve-wracking towards the end. It's getting crunch time. So, yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I, we had already told, you know, our <laughs> we'd said we was going after 130s. We was going after big bucks. Our standards had dropped slightly by this point. And, and uh, so we was all just ready to – we was almost ready to throw in the towel at this point. Everybody was really just not having it. And to be honest with you, my plan was to get up 4 o'clock in the morning and hit it hard. <laughs> we stayed out late, you know, having you know having a few drinks or whatever. And I, I just didn't wake up. I was like, man, it was almost not worth it to walk all the way back up there that early. So I, I was almost ready to give up, and I was, and I woke up, and it was almost daylight, and I was like, man, I, I ain't got long. I said, I'm just going to go and get in the stand. So I'll leave out of there. It's almost breaking daylight, and I knew I was going to get in there late, but I, I was okay with that. I was, you know, I didn't figure the movement would start up real high until, you know, around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and, you know. And uh, I'm about halfway there. I start looking around. I forget my release. I have to come all the way back, so now it's really daylight. I have to come back, get my release. I go back out, and as I'm getting there, I, I just start walking up, and it's daylight at this point. And I'm not really worried about making too much noise because there's not really anything you can do about it. And I get up in the stand. I'd say I'm in the stand at about 8.30. I got up in the stand at 8.30. I hate doing that. that I don't know why, but that just really it makes me nervous getting into a tree after daylight for some reason. And uh, so I get in there at about 8.30, and I set up. and like I said, haven't seen a deer at all. And I'd say probably around 930. It's been about an hour and I'm sitting there and I look over to my left and coming, I guess, let's see, 
which way would that be? I, coming from my west, I believe. Uh, I look over and I see a deer's body standing there, and I was like, "Oh, here we go!" And it happened to be two does, big does. And I said, "Oh, that's 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 better. That's cool." And they come in, they sit there and hit that licking branch on that scrape at 15 yards in front of me. They never knew I was there. The wind's blowing right in my face, right from them. They pee in the scrape. And then they walk right off the backside of that uh, that saddle off into the bottom. And I said, oh, you, that's a picture perfect thing right now. I said, you can't ask for something else uh, better to happen than that right there. And I was, you know, I could, that got me excited. I was sitting down at that point And I said, okay, no more sitting down. I got to stand up. I got to be ready. Because they were on me before I could even think about it. And uh, so I sit down or I stand up and I stand for the next hour and a half. And it's about 1045 right around there. And, you know, I'm confidence level starting to drop again. not seeing nothing. And I look to my left over to my west again, but kind of farther up the bank. And he's already walking over. I see a buck that it's not the one I shot. And I kind of wish it would have been the one I shot because that one right there could tower over the buck I killed. And, uh, you know, I start freaking out a little bit. And, that, as the, and I don't know, it's hard to – I couldn't really call at this point up there because the wind up on top of those ridges it was just so loud and uh for some reason this year i don't know if you've noticed anything down there but the leaves have stayed on the trees a lot longer it seems like this year than they have previous years and it was just super loud on top of this ridge and you know i tried to grunt at him you know doing soft grunts i tried a loud grunt just to maybe get his attention and he never broke stride he was probably i think he was about a he looked about a 150 160 inch buck Biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. And I watched him walk right out of my life, right down in that bottom, uh, right where them does went. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was like, oh, man. Well, at this point, I'm like, oh, I wonder if my boys are in the woods. So I call them, and I'm, you know, I'm excited. I'm like, man, you all need to get in the woods. You all need to, you know, they're they're moving. They're ready. Uh, they're up on their feet right now. And they're like, oh, we know everybody's, you know, talking on Facebook or whatever, that deer moving. No, we're about to leave. We're getting ready. I was like, all right, well, I'll keep you all posted. And as I hang the phone up, the wind starts to die down, and it dies completely. And I, I, I'm like, oh, this is my chance. So I pull out my grunt call, and I don't, I don't even know what make or model, you know, whatever it is. It's just one that my dad had laying around for years. and But it sounds like a deer more than any other grunt call I've had. So I start doing the Richard Fault method. Me, method. You know, grunt from one side of the tree, you know, real soft, just tending grunts going as, you know, as you go around the tree, kind of change the pitch of it a little bit and make it seem like there's a deer moving. And I do that for, you know, a good five minutes off and on. Wind picks back up. I'm like, oh, well, that was my chance. I, I put it back in my bag and I lean back against the tree again and I hear a twig snap and I look over and at 15 yards to my right, he's standing there looking at the base of my tree and <laughs> i'm telling you my emotions completely went through the roof and as i'm sitting there or i'm standing at this point my bow's on my rail i can't move he's he knows where that call come from he pinpointed it i don't know where he came from i guess he just i guess he was on the other side of that ridge and heard it and came over but he was coming. He had his head, you know, his ears laid back. He was looking for whatever sound that came from. And as he's coming in, 
I'm slowly, slowly reaching for my bow. And as I'm doing this, the wind is still whipping. And he catches movement in the tree, and he looks right at me. I mean, I'm talking, he's looking in my eyes at like 10 yards. And I am freaking out at this point, but I'm trying to keep my cool. I'm trying, I'm trying not to shake. And as he gets closer, I'm getting closer to my bow. I finally get my wrist sling or whatever on my wrist. I finally get my bow on my hand. And I, I can't see him at this point because he's, he's almost under me. And as I'm grabbing my bow, I look down. And through the grates of my tree stand, I see his rack going around each side of my tree. He's sniffing the, my tree that I'm sitting in. And my emotions are still just going through the roof. And he don't smell me. I, I, I don't know how he didn't smell something on that tree. I even had bungee cords laying at the bottom of it covered in some leaves. But I, I don't know if he was just so aggressive that he was just trying not to, you know, worry about it. But And my wind was blowing slightly away from him at this point. Like, he was still blowing at him, but kind of off wind just a hair. And I knew that if he got a little bit past me, it was going to be over. So as he's under me, I started to grab my bow up. I turn it up. And as I swing to my left, he's walking past the tree, and my wind hits him. And I know it hits him. I can tell because he, he goes from no alert to full alert, head up, looking around. He cuts back to the left to go back sort of downhill to where he come from. At this point, I'm at full draw. He's standing at 15 yards, hard quartering away. I bury that pin right in front of the hind quarter. I figured it was going to be a good shot right there. I release it. I just watched the light and not go straight through him, straight out the other side. He donkey kicks and runs full speed as fast as he can go straight down the ravine. Holy crap. So let me, let me ask you this before we kind of get going from this point. First off, the way you're positioned and, and kind of with that the, the quietness of when the, when the um, wind died down, you did the calling sequence, and then kind of wind got kicked back up, and you're kind of sitting there and you hear him off to your right, and he's just right there. Dude, I, can't, I mean, that's, that's something that's just kind of uh, – that's something I think a lot of people dream of, like, oh, man, he's turning. There he is. There's that. You know, I know Richard Fox talked about that on one of the other episodes I have, I've had him on where he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, I always wish – you know, I always hope and wish there would be a 160 walk up behind that tree, and it never has yet. <laughs> At least <laughs> yeah. for him to shoot it. But uh, anyways, it's uh, th- that's something that's just kind of crazy, you know, to happen. I was going to ask, what does the woods look like where you're at? Uh, you know, is it like all hardwoods? Is there any ponds there? Is it real thick? Is it fairly open? Is it super open? Like, what's it look like on the side of that ridge? It from the bottom going about a, to the top third is just I don't I don't ever really think I even seen an oak. No real oak trees. No, you know, nothing really that makes it look like deer habitat that where they would want to be eating but it was really thick and i don't know what the stuff was that was growing on the side of that ridge i i would guess maybe years years ago like many years ago because there was mature timber in this i'm thinking it was clear cut because we did find a uh like a uh logging cable or like a chain or whatever mm. from like many years ago it was all rusted up so we're thinking that maybe it was logged and maybe you know all the good trees was taken out of this off this hillside at one point and uh, it was all real, real thick, just nasty, steep, thick. But as you got to the top, you started seeing more oak tree, white oaks and red oaks. And uh, they were dropping up there. You, know, you could see them on the ground. So they were definitely up there eating the uh, acorns as well uh, as they crossed through those saddles. 
Awesome. So you, you shoot the deer, you know, hard quarter way, you know, kind of put it right, you know, right in front of the, the hip and just let it rip. And uh, you saw that, that lighted knock disappear. What kind of goes through your head? I mean, what's, what's kind of going through your head next? I mean, you know, as he's going down into that drainage, like what's going through your head and what kind of happened next? You know, I, I try, you know, I try to do it in my mind every time you shoot a deer, watch where he goes, watch the last place you send. Well, like I said, it's super thick. As soon as I shoot him, it wasn't a second and I can't see him anymore. So I'm like, okay, well, if, you know, if I made a good shot, he's running downhill. That's good. If I made a good shot, there's going to be some blood. If he's dead, he's dead. So I was like, okay, that's okay. I got to call somebody at this point. I just shot the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life i gotta call someone so i call my buddy and like i said this ain't been five minutes ten minutes after i called him the first time and i get on the phone and i got anybody that knows me my emotions get the best of me when i'm shooting a deer with a bow it don't matter if it's a doe a four point a six point my emotions get me bad every time my knees are knocking my i can't hardly breathe you know i'm sure you get that way sometimes uh, it, it don't matter if I'm shooting at a doe, it tears me up every time I get buck fever, like no one you've ever seen probably. Well, I didn't even get it with this deer. Cause I don't think he gave me enough time to get those nerves, you know, fired up in me. Like the whole thing took maybe one minute. Like he was under me and I had an arrow in him in, you know, 45 seconds, one minute. So, uh, as I get on the phone, as I'm calling my buddies back at the, you know, where we were staying, I was, I start realizing what I did just now. And, you know, I didn't know how many points he had. I just knew he was big. And I get on the phone, and I guarantee they thought I was dying or something. Because <laughs> they, they're like, what What are you talking about? I got on the phone. I was hyperventilating. I was telling them, I said, what are you guys doing? They're like, we're leaving to go to the woods. I'm like, you need to get to my truck right now. I said, Just drop whatever you're doing. Nobody's hunting. Come to my truck right now. And they're like, okay, okay. And they're asking me all these questions i'm like i don't know guys i'll meet you at the truck and funny thing is i'm sitting there and as soon as i get off the phone with them i'm like okay i'll meet you guys there i'm going to grab my stuff i'm going to go ahead and pull everything out and i'm going to walk the long way back out i'm going to walk that he he whenever he ran on the map where my stand is at the top of the ridge he ran straight down below me all the way and i couldn't hear him anymore he ran as far as he could without me being able to hear him so I'm going to, what I was going to do is I was going to climb down, walk the top of the ridge all the way out to the end, and then just drop off the end and make my way back down to the, uh, down to the truck. And, uh, well, as I'm getting down, I go down there to just look at my arrow to, you know, put it in the ground. Cause it, it went all the way through. I made a full pass through and there's a little bit of blood on the ground. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not shooting a big mechanical broadhead. I'm shooting a, a G5 Montec, which I like because every deer I've shot with them, I get full pass throughs every time. And uh, I guess it really helped me with this quarter and away shot, having to go through all those different, you know, vials and whatever else I was going to hit. But uh, I get down there to my arrow, and my buddy FaceTimes me. Or, I, okay, hang on, let me go back for a second, because this is really funny. It wasn't 30 seconds. I mean, I just shot the deer two minutes ago. I'm climbing out of my climber, and I hear a stick break behind me. Here comes that same guy walking off the ridge, going back to his truck, or getting to go back to his ride where they dropped him off. And I was like, oh, dude, I said, you came at the best time, really. I said, if you'd have came two minutes ago, I'd have been really upset. And uh, he, he come down through there, and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, did you see anything? I was like, I just shot the biggest buck of my life. 
and he was like, oh, that's crazy, you know, all that. But uh, So that was really funny. I didn't expect to see him in there again. And uh, I'm down there looking at my arrow, and I'm FaceTiming my buddy. I'm showing him the arrow. You know, it looks okay. It's got a little bit of fat and stuff on it. I was like, well, you know, it went through some weird stuff going through that deer's body at that angle. And he's like, well, just stick it in the ground. We'll start there and just come on out. And I'm sitting there as I'm looking at the arrow. And I'm like, look, I got the fletchings in my face looking down the hill. And I look and I see something out of, you know, out of the ordinary down there. And I, I don't have my binoculars because, like I said, you want to pack light going into this spot because it was such a long walk. But I got my range finder. I throw my range finder up. And I think I see his legs laying down at the bottom about 100 yards. And I said, oh, Matt, I said, I think he's dead. <laughs> I said, I don't know. I said, it could be my mom playing games with me or something. I said, but I think he's dead laying in the creek down there. And he's like, well, don't, you know, don't go down there. I was like, I'm not. So we all, I get back, I stick my, you know, I grab my arrow. And uh, I can remember where he was standing and all this. And. I start making my way back to the truck. I go the long way around. It takes me, you know, 35 minutes, probably 30 minutes at this point because I'm running pretty much to get back to these guys. And uh, I get back to the truck, and we start the track job from there. We all, you know, it's me, my brother, my buddy Matt, my buddy Austin. And uh, we go in. I take my bow with me because you just never know what might happen. And uh, I, I thought he was laying in that bottom. So as we make our way back, you know, it takes us a good 30 minutes to get back there. It's steep and thick, and we're, we're going to stay in the bottom, sort of. And, and I was going to walk in the creek because I thought that's where I'd seen him die, or I thought that's where he was laying. And my buddy, at, or as we're walking up through there, I get, I'm get i in the creek bed, and it keeps getting, like, the, the creek sides, like the sides of it, are, like, super, super steep. And they're, like, you know, like 40, 50 foot high. And I'm like, there's no way. I would have seen that deer laying in this ravine, uh, you know, from where I was. I was like, Matt, I was like, I don't think he's laying in this creek. I said, he might be, but I doubt it. I said, why don't you climb up the top of the rear, you know, up that first third there. And, you know, you walk that little bench right there and make sure you're not laying on it. And he asked me, he, he told me to look on the map. And he said, man, are we getting close? And I looked at the map and I said, dude, I said, if he's here, I said, you know, it's within 50 yards. I bet I didn't get my phone back in my pocket. My buddy, he's like, Dalton. And I, I knew at that point, he said my name like that. And he said, hey, Dalton. I said, yeah, Matt. And he's like, I see him laying up here. And all my emotions went to the roof. And at this point, everybody up here, I thought he was 125-inch, 130-inch eight-point. That's what I told him. Uh, you know, they kept asking, well, how big is he? How big is he? I'm like, I think he's like an eight-pointer, but. He's a big eight pointer. He's like 120 inches, 125 inches. And like, well, that's, you know, that's awesome. That's better than anything else we've seen this time. And, you know, as I'm climbing up the steep bank, he's like, Dalton, he's big. He's a big buck. And I'm like, yeah, I tell him to count the antlers for me. He counts all 11 points for me. And as it gets to that 11th point, I am, I am just on top of the world already. And I get up to him and it is just one big celebration out there in the woods. We're, hooting and hollering and that's the biggest deer that any of us has ever even killed in our life man that's awesome so your buddy goes up there he's counting the points and again hits that 11th point and i'm looking at the deer right now the photos and dude it's it's a huge deer so y'all get up to him and, and kind of you know when you got up to him first off you know what did the shot look like and, and everything else kind of where did that if you remember kind of where that broadhead actually came out where the arrow came out of him and then uh you know what was the pack out or drag out like Oh, uh, you know, the shot was exactly where I 
thought I sunk it into. Uh, it went in, you know, right there behind that last rib, and uh, it exited right there in that pocket in front of the front shoulder and neck. So, I mean, it was like it was a picture-perfect shot, really. I mean, the exit was right where you wanted it to be, right there in front of that front shoulder at that steep of an angle. And, uh, you know, I, we're all just having the time of our lives up there. And he, he was actually going to be – I think he was going to be a 13-point. He had a big time broke off his G3. He had a split G2. Uh, the same side, he had a broken G3 uh, split. So he would have been a 12 or a 13 at least. And uh, But either way, I mean, we were pumped. He ended up scoring 144 inches and three-eighths. And that was – I never thought I should have did that big in my life. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, you know, as we're looking at him, though, I noticed whenever he was walking in, he looked a bit rough. Like, he looked like he had been – you know, through the ringer, really. And as we got to looking closer at him on his back, uh, I might have to send you all some pictures if I can find some. On his back, about as long as the length of your hand and about as wide as your hand, he had a cut running across the top of his back about midways back. And it almost looked like a broadhead had sliced him open really bad, like really bad. And uh he was all you know all full of an infection and stuff like that and we're like wow that is you know that's crazy someone else may have gotten a shot it could have been from fighting or you know hit by a car or something but it looked like a clean slice going across his back so we thought that was pretty cool that uh you know someone else may have had their chance at him and uh you know we're at this point we're you know 900 yards thousand yards back in this holler and it's no you know it's no picnic getting him out of here and uh they're like you want to quarter him up i'm like no 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 we're not we're not quartering this deer up. This is I'm not going to mess up the cape on this thing, quartering him up out here. I was like I'm taking him out whole, and uh, so me and my brother. He, my brother's a big old, but uh, he's he's a big old boy. He's you know he can bench press probably his whole his own weight, and uh, so we grab a hold of this deer and we start dragging. It takes us about two and a half hours to get out of this holler right here. I mean it, we're dragging him over logs and having to pick him up over you know like deadfalls and stuff like this, grabbing him through all, dragging him through all this thick stuff, getting caught and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's hell getting him out of this holler. And, uh, we, we eventually get him out. It took about two and a half hours. We think he, we feel dressed him. I'd say he was probably about at least 200 pounds. It was a big body deer. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I'm looking at the, I mean, dude, he's, he's a really big deer and that's, that's crazy, uh, to be able to, not only get the shot like that, but also I'll tell you this, uh, you know, if you said, you, I think you said you had some, uh, looked like fat on the fletchings possibly you coming out of that brisket. I've had that a couple guys say that anytime you shoot through, shoot, shoot a deer through the brisket or you have an exit through the brisket, there's so much fat on that brisket, uh, in front of those shoulders that you're going to get that on the arrow. And sometimes it'll clog the hole. I, I was going to ask, did y'all ever look at the blood trail at all? Or did y'all pretty much just find the deer and that was it? Well, I actually did because I was curious. Uh, they they all didn't go. I walked maybe, you know, 50 yards because, I mean, it wasn't uh, – he didn't go probably 70 yards from my stand, but where it was so windy, I couldn't hear him crash. I couldn't see him go down because of all the, like, vegetation on the trees and all that. So, I mean, he didn't go very far, but he went straight to the bottom, and that was a pretty good ways, and I just couldn't see him. But I walked, you know, maybe 20 yards, 30 yards up the hill, and as he got down towards the bottom, I don't know if he slowed down a little bit or what, uh, he did have a decent blood trail, but up there where it started, it was not, uh, it, it wasn't the best. Like even looking at, I was kind of ner- uh, nervous going into it cause I was looking at the arrow, you know, you, you know, you get that fatty look on the arrow. It ain't that, you know, bubbly blood that you're looking for every time, but I didn't really expect it though. 
with that hard of a quarter and shot. I've actually never even made a quarter away shot like that in my life. So it was kind of new to me and the blood on the ground up there was a little spotty. It wasn't how you think. So, I, but the blood trail, it did seem to open up quite a bit towards the end. I don't know if he started slowing down or he just started pumping it out, you know, more, but uh, yeah, the blood trail wasn't actually too bad. Okay. If awesome. we would have, if we would have followed it. Yep. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, well Dalton, let me ask, uh, it's kind of like a, to wrap us up a little bit, you know, what is your takeaway from this? You know, what are some of the things that you've learned from this hunt um, that you're going to kind of start focusing on applying in the future and other things to kind of build upon, especially you know, not only for this season, but seasons to come. Uh, you know, the main thing is, you know, trying new stuff. I mean, we would have never killed that deer. If my, I would have never killed that deer, if my buddy, I say we, because he was just a bigger part of killing that deer as I was, I would have never killed him if he would not have went in the middle of the day scouting instead of sitting back eating a sandwich somewhere. He was out in the woods. If he wasn't in the stand, he was walking around. Uh, we all were pretty much just trying to find something, hunting off the sign. You know, if something's not going right, try something new. Uh, hunting those saddles. I mean, I've never done that in my life, and two sits into it, I shoot the biggest buck of my life. So maybe that's something I try to key in on more through the following years. I think I'm going to do that next year. Uh, even though pre-scouting didn't play much of a part this year, I'm still going to go up there, you know, maybe a couple times this summer, maybe in the fall, and uh, maybe do a little bit of scouting, but try different areas, different, you know, try not to do what we've been doing for years, you know, move them into different areas that we haven't, you know, had a lot of, you know, success in really that we haven't really tried. So yeah, I think trying stuff, trying new stuff, and just putting boots on the ground, even whenever you want to be in the tree, putting boots on the ground might be your best option. So yeah, I think that's what we're going to go into the next year with, and uh, hopefully it makes us successful for years to come. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'll say this, uh, just kind of outside looker looking in on this. Um, as a piece of advice, if the hunting pressure is as high as it was this year, and that's something you think it's going to be a factor for next year too, man, I'd be trying to find some places like what is some of the hardest things to get to that a lot of the locals and some of these other guys that are coming up there just aren't going to be willing to go to just because it's so steep, hard yep. access points. Again, get away from all those parking lots, find a place where you pull off the side of the road, you know, get a little bit more creative because that's how you'll kind of get away and separate from those guys and also find those deer that get pushed there. Because the deer might be everywhere in the summertime or whenever, but once that pressure gets spiked up and those bucks are still out there cruising for does, you know, they're going to be in certain areas that you can kind of go in there and find them. And, you know, dude, it just it played out perfectly for you. So, dude, again, congratulations, Dalton, on that buck, man. And super excited to kind of see how you could do over the next uh, year or so, kind of getting back up there and also how Tennessee treats you for this year. But uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm still learning Tennessee. It's I'm, I'm still struggling here. I've uh... – I'm seeing bigger and better bucks than I ever have probably this year. I've been passing on quite a few good ones, you know, for around here, 100 inch bucks. But uh, I'm still figuring it out here. I, th I think I'm actually going to start hunting. Uh, that was the first public land I've ever actually hunted uh, was up there. I think I've only got like 15 days under my belt in my life up there hunting. So, I mean, the I did pretty good, I, I guess, uh, hunting public for the first time. I, I think I might start hunting a little bit of public here. I've never done it before. I usually just hunt, you know, ask for permission places like that right there. Uh, we don't really have any farms around here, so it's mostly just hillsides and stuff like that that you get permission. But uh, I think I'm slowly starting to figure it out. I'm, I think I'll get better and better as each year goes. Absolutely. Is this, is this building off what you've kind of learned so far and kind of continuing to 
build upon your knowledge base, but also experience. Because the thing is, like with the podcast and everything, you know, you're starting to learn a lot more. Now it's going out there and implementing it and matching the experience with some of that knowledge and also building upon that knowledge. So that's exactly kind of what you're doing now, dude. And again, I think it's going to keep on playing off for you uh, in the future. So just keep it up. Um, and Dalton, again, just congratulations on this buck, man. Hopefully we'll have you back on as another listener success story, dude. Get you another good deer this year, next year, whenever. And hey, if you're a big turkey hunter, dude, maybe, you know, have a listener success story from you from turkey season uh so oh yeah absolutely appreciate it. and i'll say this you know i appreciate all the listeners out there um you know listen to the podcast appreciate all the feedback from these listener success stories we've had some great feedback of guys really enjoying some of the stories uh, i'm sure this will be one of those as well uh, and also appreciate everybody that's been messaging us um as their own listener success story uh, we've had a lot of guys over the last few weeks really sending just a ton of uh, different stories and images about how you know the podcast has played a factor for them, things they've learned and implemented and gone out there and have success. So if you're a guy like Dalton, man, you go out there and have success using something you've kind of learned on the podcast or maybe just something you had heard that kind of you know lit a light bulb for you and lit a light bulb, um, definitely let us know. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I know, Dalton, you've reached out to us on Instagram, and uh, we appreciate all those feedbacks uh, just from what's working for you guys. And maybe – We'll select you as a future guest of the listener success story on the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. But Dalton, do you have any final uh, any final things you want to discuss or talk about before we wrap it up? Uh, I, there is one thing I would like to say about this whole hunt. Uh, I, I do want to thank one person that made this whole hunt, you know, able to happen, and that would be my dad. Uh, three years ago, my dad told me and my brother we've been hunting here for our whole life, and he wanted to start hunting big deer and. We just know you go north for the big ones. That's what it, you, you go north, you go Midwest. And three years ago in, let's see, I think it was, I think it was like February. My dad told me about this piece of public that were, that I killed this buck on. He said, hey, this guy at work told me about this piece of public land. Why don't you and your brother go up there and scout it? He said, we're going to start going every year. We'll make it a father-son trip and we'll go up there and we'll try to hunt some public land bucks and try to see how we can do on those. Well, it wasn't, I went up there and scouted. I told him, he said, I found some good sign. He said, yeah, boys. He said, it'll be a good season. We'll go up there. It wasn't a week later. My dad was hit while he was on his motorcycle and he, I ended up losing him. And, uh, you know, I, I made it a, I made it a point to go me and all my buddies. They were, they were like my brothers from another mother, my best friends. And, uh, my dad loved them. And we've made it a point to go every year, no matter what we got to do. That's why we've been going. We wanted to go up there, shoot a big buck for him, and, you know, keep what he wanted to do, keep it going. So, I mean, if it wasn't for my dad, I would have never even heard of this place. I'd probably never be hunting this place, and I definitely wouldn't have shot the buck I did. And uh, I wouldn't even be deer hunting anyways if it wasn't for him growing me up and taking me out in the outdoors. So, uh, the one person I want to thank for this hunt is my dad. Even though he's not here, he's still helping me kill big bucks. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's hard. I mean, I can't imagine losing, you know, a parent like that or anybody, but uh, just as a way to kind of, you know, live his legacy on and again, always be thinking about him while you're in the woods, dude. Um, that is, that is just, that's impactful. I mean, that story actually impacted me a little bit. I, I didn't see that coming, dude. So I appreciate you kind of sharing that with us. And for the listeners, too. I mean, we all do this for different reasons. Some of us, put meat in the freezer some of us really like the antlers and some of us you know mix of both and also maybe somebody really impacted us in our lives 
uh, when we started getting to hunting and again kind of do it for them and whoever else kind of got us excited about this uh, tradition that we live on which is you know white tail deer hunting so Dalton I appreciate you sharing that and again I thank you for coming on for this week's episode of the listener success story oh yeah thank you very much for having me it was good it was fun talking deer Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman. And thank you to Blackberry Smoke for the music for the podcast. Also, to follow along with us, make sure you check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Until next time, y'all stay Southern. All right, guys, we're starting to get kind of close to summer here. And you know what my favorite part about summer is? The Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard us talk about it a lot last year, and we actually got to meet a lot of you guys at that expo. Well, we're excited to announce we're going to be there again. This time it's going to be in Dalton, Georgia, June 28th through June 30th. We are going to be there all three days. We're going to have a bunch of past podcast guests there. We're going to have a booth where you can come by and grab some merchandise. And I'm sure we're going to be recording all kinds of podcasts there. If you're unfamiliar, the Mobile Hunters Expo is the place you need to be if you are the kind of hunter that listens to this podcast this show was literally made for you it is an excellent group of people that are going to be there a lot of whitetail killers from around the southeast are going to be there you're going to get to talk to them shake their hand learn from them in person make some connections and guys we get a lot of questions about uh, which saddle should i get which tree stand should i get what about this piece of gear what about that piece of gear How do I meet other hunters who want to hunt the same way that I do? You know, finding a good hunting buddy. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a place for all of that. So you guys don't miss it. June 28th through the 30th, Dalton, Georgia. We'll see you there.